0: One, I'm going to give you a teaching on uh, your plan for prosperity, and then I'm going to explain a wealth tool that you can use monthly, okay? So here we go. Let's talk about your plan for prosperity. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things, all these things are what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, all the things he'd just been talking about before that. And all these things will be added to you. Here's what Jesus is doing. He's making a promise. If you put my kingdom first, I'll take care of your kingdom. I mean, let's just make the math really simple there. Jesus is like, you put your heart and soul, your focus, your passion, your attention, you focus on my kingdom, I'll take care of your kingdom. Prosperity is a byproduct of seeking God. It should never be the goal. I'm just gonna keep going here, all right? So you guys can, (laughs) I I think the natural way of thinking is, hold on, Jim, what what if I start putting all my focus on God and other people? Who's gonna take care of me? Well, here's the good news. God will take care of you. (laughs) The two choices. I'm gonna seek God in his kingdom and he will take care of me, or I'm gonna seek my kingdom and I'm going to take care of you. And the bad news is is you're in a recession. (laughs) This is where finances is a matter of faith. It's not a matter of mathematical formulas. It's this living relationship with God where I'm trusting him and he's shaping my heart. See, God's gonna be involved in every area of your life where you have faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So here's what happens is we are seeking God. Money's being attracted into our life, and then we're going to begin to steward and multiply that money. And so uh, let's, let's talk about the list, okay? Here's the list for most people in America. Um, here's what happens is money comes into their life, and they spend money. And then maybe they pay off a little bit of debt. Maybe they set aside a little bit for taxes. Maybe they save a little bit. Sometimes they're saving for a rainy day. Sometimes they're saving for a vacation. And then they give whatever's left over. How many of you guys recognize this is not a God-first uh, priority list? I think some people's attitude is, Jim, if I had more money to give, if I had some more extra money, then I would give. Basically, what you're saying is, um, as soon as I get everything that I want, then I'll, t- I'll toss a, t- a tip to God's way. How we doing? As long as my needs get met first, then God can have the leftovers. Okay, guys, this is not seeking first the kingdom of God. Here's on Matthew 6.24. This is just a couple verses leading up to that seek first passage. Matthew 6.24. No one can serve two masters. In other words, there can only be one number one. Remember the movie Highlander. There can only be one. Okay, that was way better than if no one can serve two masters because there can only be one number one. Either you will hate the one and love the other. Jesus is saying, listen, either I'm gonna be number one on the list or you're going to be number one on the list. There can't be two number ones on the list. And he makes it more specific. He says, you cannot serve both God and money. It's interesting. The competition here is not between God and the devil. The competition here is who's going to be first on your list is going to be God or money. And so verse 31, uh, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Let's read this a different way. Let's take the W and the uh, we, and let's flip it upside down into an M and make it a me. Let's read it like that. What shall me eat? Me, me, me. What shall me wear? Why are we worried about what me wear? Because I'm number one. Uh, uh, For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Jesus is saying, listen, people who don't know God, this is the priority list they've got. It's about what they can do first, and then maybe if there's some leftovers, they'll do something else with it. But I've got a challenge for us here. Um, uh, Verse 33 when it says, but seek first the kingdom of God. Why is the but in there? He's saying, he's like, this is how the pagans live. This is how people live who don't believe God. But my kids are going to live a completely different way. You don't have to put yourself first on the list and worry and stress and worry about all these things. He's saying, if you'll put my kingdom first, I'll take care of your kingdom. But seek first my kingdom and my righteousness this is Jesus. He's making a promise to you. If you'll seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, then all these other things. What are all the other things? All the other things in the chart, they're going to get taken care of. In other words, he's saying this. How about we flip the list? You guys ready for this? Oh, yeah. I wanted to have a flip chart to make it more dramatic, but it's just, you know, there's something about the drama of it. You can just flip a chart. It's like cell phones. Like, you can't slam the phone down on anybody anymore. You gotta, that would be an awesome app. If you can make the hang-up button, like the slam of the button, oh, man. okay. <laughs> Flip the list, and Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to seek me first. I want you to have a different set of priorities. Listen, guys, this isn't about becoming rich. I've got some really good news for you. Most of you are already rich. Yeah. Yeah. If you are living and eating indoors, and you know what you're going to have for lunch after church today, if you've got means for that, you're wealthier than most of the people in the world. So this isn't about being rich. This is about reprioritizing our heart and our finances so that we throw open the door so that God can be involved in it. It's about going on an adventure with God and not just doing things in our own strength. So uh, seek first my kingdom and all these things will be added to you. And so, uh, so if we flip the list, we're going to give first. We're going to save or invest. Here's the good news is if you give right and you save right in America, what happens to your taxes? It's not a trick question. They actually go down god bless america and you can repay some debt and uh, not and, and and spend what's rest let me make it even simpler for you guys okay maybe you guys have heard me teach this before but when it rhymes it's just better okay what if you made this your priority list give oh no don't do this to me blue marker we need a purple royalty marker give Give, invest, live on the rest. Say that with me. Give, invest, live on the rest. Again, give, invest, live on the rest. All right, there we go. This is how you throw open the door to God's involvement in your finances. Okay, listen to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 11. It's interesting. He's going to break it down into bread and seed here. He's, Paul says this. The point is this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for the Lord loves a cheerful giver. In order, don't give because you're afraid God's going to curse you if you don't tithe. Don't give because the preachers turn the screws on you. Okay, th- those aren't reasons to give. The reason to give is because there's a joy in your heart. I'm excited to partner with God in my finances and see what he's going to do. There's a compassion to meet needs. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. That's the goal of finances. Whatever need comes across our path, that we'll have a a stream of income to meet that need. Verse 9, he begins to quote an Old Testament verse here. As it is written, he has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. It's interesting, in the Old Testament, righteousness was associated with generosity. Verse 10, he who supplies seed to the sower... And bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. In other words, when you give money like a seed, we don't give to get. We give to get so that we can be even more generous. That's what a harvest of righteousness is. Verse 11, you will be enriched in every way to be generous in every way, which through us will produce thanksgiving to God. Let's look at verse 10 again. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. I want you to get this picture. Is Paul, I think, I, yeah, if you look on your diagram there, bread and seed. Every dollar that comes that's given into your life, whether it's a paycheck, a bonus, a commission, inheritance, every dollar that comes into your life is going to be either bread or seed. So your job is to say, okay, Holy Spirit, is this bread or is this seed? Bread is what you eat. It's how you spend money on yourself. It's your lifestyle. God provides bread to meet your needs. Seed is what you plant for the future. So if you look at the, uh, the bread and the, and the seed, I think it just comes real good. Every dollar that comes in your life, some of it's going to be seed, some of it's going to be bread. Seed is to give and invest. Bread is to live on the rest. So let's just kind of go through priorities. I'm gonna explain some of these things in just a little bit more. But uh, my number one priority is to be a giver. I am uh, I'm unashamed about that. I, wanna, I want God first in my finances, let me just say this. If God's not first in your finances, he's not first in your life. I'm just going to say it again. If God's not first in your finances, if this is not the priority uh, of, your, of your heart, if you have that other list, then God's not first in your life. What do you think it means to make him Lord? It means <laughs> I live to do your will. I remember I had a dream uh, a little while ago, and in the dream, it was pretty intense, Uh, Jesus came up to me. I don't usually have like the Jesus come up to me dreams. You know, like some people like it seems like that happens to them every other day. I'm not one of those people. But in this dream, uh, God spoke to me and he said, There's no, he said, tell my church that there's no area of my life that I can't put my finger on and say mine. Wow. So I think a lot of people think, I earn the money, it's mine, and I'm going to give God 10% of my money. You're deceived. It all belongs to God. You're not giving him some of your money. You're, you're, you're stewarding his money in a way that blesses him. So my number one priority is to be a giver. Um, I'm not going to change that priority. I actually don't have goals for income. I only have goals for giving. That's what, that's what makes me come alive. That's, that's the part of my life that I just absolutely love. It's just a joy for me to give. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will be bursting with wine. It's interesting, Scripture says, give God the first fruits, not the leftover fruits. If God's not first in your finances, he's not first in your life. Guys, why are we blessed to be a blessing? The priority of my finances is not about me, it's about others, okay? And so here's what happens. When I give to God and I give to others first, it throws open the doors of heaven, and God can begin to get involved in my life. So my number one priority is to be a giver. My number two priority is to be an investor. And so um, let's do this. Let's do bread. Let's do seed. Give. Invest. This is like the diagram. This is something new the Lord's really had to work on my heart here because I always saw seed as just strictly giving. But he's been working on my heart to show me that when you invest, you're actually multiplying it. So now I've got more resources to live from, and I've got more resources to give from. So listen with me here. So uh, there, if you look at the story of the talents and the minas, it's, it's a story about how kingdom investing actually works. It's two parables. And uh, one was the parable of the talents, where Jesus gave people, or the master gave people about $30,000. And the parable of the minas, he gave people, about each of the servants, about $500. <clears throat> In both stories, here's what happened. They took their master's money, and they made more money. Okay, that's the the heart of investing is where your money makes money. In fact, the two guys that did well with the minas, they were given authority over cities. Okay, now the story gets really ugly. Okay, so first you got the guys, they took their master's money, and they made money. And then the story kind of takes a twist here. There were people who were lazy with investing and were fearful about investing, and they actually got rebuked. Here's what happened. Um, there were both stories. They refused to take risks. They refused to invest their money out of fear. It says they buried it, and here's what um, the master called them, wicked and lazy slaves. Like, hold on a second here. Like, isn't that a little bit harsh here? Their money, it gets even worse. Their money was taken from them and given to the guys who had the most. I mean, so much for socialism in the Bible. What's going on here? From God's perspective, what he's doing is he's distributing the wealth to the people who would invest it wisely. For the ones who partnered with fear and were lazy, he took the money away from them. And they were punished for not taking risks to advance and increase what they were given. Guys, I'm not sure if you realize how devoted God is to increase. Like, here's a general statement about his kingdom in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Like, this whole one step forward, two steps back, that's not kingdom language. The kingdom knows nothing but increase. Some people think being a good steward is being cheap and stingy. I believe in being frugal to a limit, like not being wasteful. Okay, I think you get too frugal, it becomes a scarcity thing. People, they spend more time figuring out how to save a dime rather than make a dime. It's like, you know, it's just, it gets insane after a while. But um, being a good steward is not being cheap and stingy because everything that gets steward in the kingdom increases and multiplies. I know this isn't typical Sunday morning stuff, but we need this. I feel like here's what has happened. Now, I'm going to flip this one more time here. Feel like Vanna White. This is awesome. I feel like, um, see, the only training I had in finances growing up in the church was tithes and offerings. Okay? You cannot tithe and offering your way to wealth. You cannot build wealth in the kingdom without tithes and offerings. So I feel like we've been given one half of the, of the wealth building equation. And so we've got... Oh, this marker is trying to curse me. We've got seed. And so we've been taught the giving part. And this giving opens up the rain clouds of heaven. So I want you to listen to this. Malachi, also known as the Italian prophet Malachi, chapter 3, verse 10... This is the passage on tithing that many of us are familiar with, but I think there's something that we've missed. You guys ready for this? Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need. Verse 11, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that he will not, ready for this, destroy the fruits of your soil, and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear says the Lord of hosts. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. I want you to underline windows of heaven. If you're on your phone, good luck underlining this. Um, I want you to underline fruits of your soil and vine in your field. Okay? I want you to see what's happening here. Is our giving opens up the windows of heaven, but there had to be something on the earth for it to rain on. That's investing. You can read this, God bless you. Our seed is giving and investing. Part of our our seed goes towards giving and it opens up the windows of heaven. But if there's nothing, if there's not vines in the field and fruit on earth for it to rain upon, there's nothing for it to increase. So we've only been taught one half of it. Give, 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 give. Here's the good news. For those of you who've been giving with a good heart for all these years but you haven't invested, there are storm clouds of heaven that have been gathering over your finances waiting for you to have something to rain on. And if you'll just begin to give, begin to invest, and partner with His principles, kingdom—the the, the whole point of the parable of the talents and the minas—was that kingdom investing causes multiplication and increase. It's what God has on His heart. Boy, if there was only a course coming up here that would teach about kingdom investing, boy. Mm. Faithfulness with money in many of Jesus' parables was not just about giving, it was about multiplying your money. The kingdom will involve both, giving and investing. You and I are called to be stewards, not cheapskates, which means you're gonna have to learn something about investing. One quick warning here, I know there's believers here who are faithful in, uh, in, in putting money into your 401ks and saving money and, and all that stuff, and I would just encourage you with this, if you're more passionate and faithful with investing in your future rather than God's future, there's a priority thing that needs to shift. You need to be just as passionate or more passionate about God's kingdom and giving and intentional than you are just putting money in your 401k, your Roth, IRA, and all that stuff. Okay, so just do, just do a quick heart check. Where is your attention? Where is your passion? Where is your focus going? We need both. But God's kingdom needs to win in the, in the, in the priority of our heart. Be careful that you're not pursuing riches instead of wealth. Riches are what you have. Wealth is who you have. Okay? So just check and see where your heart priority is. So my first, oh, I love this. Man, I'm getting good at this. So my first priority is giving. My second priority is investing. This is giving and investing, this is, this is my seed. But then there's the bread, the part that you're going to live on. Part of your stewardship is actually to enjoy the blessings of God that he's given into your life. Here's the deal. No one can tell you how much is bread and no one can tell you how much is seed. That's between you and the Lord. Dave Ramsey's got a great picture. He says, everybody has a cup. It's not a thimble and it's not a swimming pool. It's a cup. And no one can determine the size of your cup. That's between you and the Lord to determine how much is enough. Just as you cannot uh, earn and save your way to wealth, you cannot tithe and offering your way to wealth. You're gonna need to multiply it. But um, what you're gonna need to do is you're gonna need to voluntarily limit your spending so that you've got money for seed. Here's what happens to a lot of people is, uh, you know, you're making more money in your 30s than you were in your 20s, right? You're like, wow, I never thought we'd be making this much money. And what happens is your expenses grow to meet your income. (laughs) It's like, I make more money, and now I'm spending more money. What you're going to need to do is you're going to need to learn how to Live below your means so that you've got money to give and invest. Otherwise, you'll just be working for money, and you'll never have your money work for you. I want you to get this part, though. Part of your service to God is to actually enjoy the money that he's given you. Listen to First Timothy 6.17. As for the rich in this present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. A lot of people they get this religious spirit that thinks if i get something nice i need to give it away if i get something i can't have nice things i've just got to give it away i've just got to give it away it's interesting there was only one person in the new testament that jesus told the one wealthy person that he told to give away everything that's because his heart was was consumed with riches all the other wealthy people they got this instruction hey don't be haughty don't think you're better than people because you got money don't put your trust in riches those things are uncertain before he actually told them the verse where they said be rich in good deeds Okay, but the instruction to the rich wasn't get rid of everything, feel bad about it. It was, hey, don't put your trust in it, and learn to enjoy the things that God's given you. But that's not what it's the entire purpose of riches. Anytime God adds a blessing to your life, in other words, you obey, He rewarded. It will only strengthen your walk with God. I remember uh, my son Evan. He wanted to get some drums, so I love getting good deals. And so the instructor's like, hey, this set of drums will take him for the next couple years level. And so we searched around. So I found some on Craigslist for 30 cents on the dollar. I was so happy. The guy had only used them like six times. So we drove three hours up there. We get the drums, and it was just a great trip. We're setting them up. He loves everything. I want you to know, it was the joy of my heart to see him come alive in something that was a passion in his heart. Okay? If he would have turned around and given away those drums, that would not have blessed Dad. You see what I'm saying? There are things that God gives into your life because it's the passion of your heart and the desire of your heart and he wants to see you enjoy those things. And it's not a blessing to dad's heart if you just constantly give those things away. You can't plant your bread and you can't eat your seed. If you plant your bread, it won't grow. (laughs) If you eat your seed, you won't have a future harvest. If you can't find a way to make your money work for you, you're going to have to work until you die. You're going to have to have some seed, and you're going to want heaven oh <laughs> And you're going to want heaven to reign on those finances." Listen to Proverbs 10:22. "The blessing of the Lord makes a person rich, and He adds no sorrow with it." The New International version says, "The blessing of the Lord brings wealth." There's a way to, uh, to get rich. You can work 80 hours a week, and um, you know your wife's next husband will appreciate all the wealth you've built. <laughs> Some of you, that's just sinking in. There's a way to build wealth, but it adds sorrow to it. But when you build wealth with God, there's no sorrow to it. Again, we are not to pursue money. We are not to pursue riches. But here's what Proverbs says. Is as you're pursuing the Lord, wealth will be attracted into your life. And as it comes into your life, we're going to need how to learn how to steward and multiply it so that we can have provision for ourselves, but we can also be a bigger blessing to other people. But here's a different, here's the thing. As I'm seeking the Lord and blessings being drawn into all of my life, if I shift my focus onto those blessings, I've just leveled off. I can't be trusted with more because my heart's being given over to these things rather than His things. Are you guys getting the picture? So somehow we have to learn to enjoy what God provides. And we actually need to see the provision as an expression of himself. This is interesting. In the Old Testament, they had three different tithes. And so those of you who hate the 10% tithe, just be glad you're not in the Old Covenant. It could have got a lot more expensive with the sin offerings, depending on your lifestyle, okay? So the first tithe went to the Levites, the spiritual leaders of Israel. The second tithe was every three years and went towards the poor. But this third one was interesting. It's from Deuteronomy 14, 22 through 27. It was called the tithe of the feasts. Here's what it was, is they were to take it and party with the Lord over his goodness. They were to celebrate the goodness of God with God. Some of you are like, hold on, I, I think I'd like to hear more about this tithing thing. I think, I'm, I think I'd like to start tithing. Listen to uh, Deuteronomy 14, 26. And spend the money for whatever you desire oxen or sheep or wine or strong drink whatever your appetite craves and you shall eat there before the lord your god and rejoice you and your household here's the point part of your stewardship is to learn to enjoy the blessing of the lord with the lord your oh man part of your bread part of this part of this live on the rest you need to actually do it so that I'm enjoying god and his goodness now you can literally budget your life around percentages. I want you guys to get this point here. I'm going to give you a phrase, and we'll just break it down, and we're, uh, we're circling in for a landing here. Get this phrase, learn to live on 70% of your income. Some, uh, learn to live on 70% of your income. Some of you are like, I can't even live on 100% of my income. Well, that's why I said the word learn. And uh, there's a seminar. We're going to be doing some future sessions on how do you earn more how do you spend less and how do you invest the difference to multiply so y- it will help you get with those percentages but you need to have a goal to work towards okay and so this is uh, 70 you're going to live on 70% of the money after taxes so this isn't your gross you can't live on the gross you live on the net you live on the after tax income so i'm showing you a target of where to start so here's a picture This is a nice one. It looks like the word no, but it's supposed to be a 10. Okay, Here, here's the picture. You get, uh, you get paid, 10%, you give. 10%, you invest personally. 10%, someone else invests for you. And you live on 70 Give, invest, live on the rest. The reason I say uh, have someone else invest for you is you need to get some specific knowledge. You don't just like, hey, I'm going to go buy some, you know, multi-unit apartment complexes. Well, do you know anything about multi-unit complexes? No. Well, there's, a, there's an English proverb that says a fool and his money will soon be separated. Okay, you need to learn something about investing. And so if you don't know how to invest, then maybe have someone else invest it for you. That's what you got 401ks, Roth IRAs, mutual funds. Um, low-cost low index funds, those type of things, is someone else can invest it for you. But uh, put it in a savings account till while you're learning how to invest it personally. You're going to need to become an investor not just pass it off on someone else. You can delegate authority, but you can't delegate responsibility. You can have someone else invest it, but you better know what they're doing. You need to know the questions to ask, and you need to know the conditions of the market. So that's one way to do it. Um, let's say, what if you are super in debt? Okay, and so what you might do then is give ten percent, put another ten percent towards debt, and uh, have ten percent for that somebody else invest for you. This ten percent somebody invest for you. If your workplace has a matching four hundred one k program, man, you need to get that. That is an instant return with no risk, right there. And so I'd encourage you. If you don't like the way the four hundred one k works. It's too limiting. You know, there's a way you can roll it over into an IRA where you got a whole lot more options at, at, at a different point down in the life. But um, if you've got a workplace that is that is giving you free money, I encourage you max that baby out. Okay, and then you can begin to look at pre-tax stuff, Roth IRAs, all that stuff. So, so here one, one scenario is give 10%, you personally invest 10%, someone else invests for you. Another scenario, if you've got some debt, give 10% towards debt, 10% someone invests towards you for you. If you're super in debt, your school loans are crazy, you got some high interest rate loans, then you might want to look at, you give 10%, you put 20% extra towards debt and you live on 70%. Some of you be like, well, hold on, where do offerings come from? Your offerings comes out of the 70%. Okay, this is, this is part of the secret sauce where you don't want to give away too much of your seed uh, towards giving, otherwise you're never going to be able to build wealth. Some of you might be thinking, well, Jim, isn't 10%, like, are you, like, teaching a tithe? Isn't that Old Covenant? Let me just, uh, a couple things on that. Um, I believe that tithing is the ways of God, not the laws of Moses. Okay, that's just the way I see it. But if if you don't believe that, let me just tell you the the statistics. So um, the statistic is that uh, uh, Christian Americans give 2.3% of their income. Non-Christian Americans give 2.2% of their income. There's a one-tenth of a percent difference with the Holy Ghost, a new covenant, and God promising to be your provider. Okay? Um, listen, if you can't trust God with 10 cents the dollar, what am I doing trying to train you to transform the planet? That offense you're feeling is the renewing of your mind. Just embrace it, Okay? So you might be thinking, well, Jim, how are you considering um, paying off debt investing? Whether you're increasing assets or eliminating debt, you're moving towards increasing your wealth. I see debt elimination as an investment. Okay? The foundation of building wealth is being debt-free. And so that's that's how I look at that. So here's how Mary and I like to do it. We like to match our seed. So here's what I mean by that. So, um... We match our investing and our giving. And so here's right now what it looks like for Mary and I. We are giving, right now we're giving about 20%. We are investing 20%. And we're living on about 60 right now. And so that's just another way you can do it, just to keep yourself generous, is whatever you're investing, that's the amount that you are also giving. Are we good? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, and I want you to take a 10-second stretch break. And I'm going to go about another seven minutes. You guys good? All right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to lean to the left. Lean to the right. Stand up, sit down, fight, fight, fight. All right. All right, just give me a few more minutes. Let me show you a wealth tool called the personal cash flow statement. Okay, the personal cash flow statement. I love this uh, quote from a guy named John Moratori. I learned many years ago that God won't bless a mess. Many people want God to give them prosperity and success, yet they expect God to build a skyscraper on an outhouse foundation. This tool is going to help you build a skyscraper on a skyscraper foundation. Okay? And so um, if you remember earlier we talked about the secret to building wealth is, is, is in the wealth equation. We're going to partner with God to earn more than you spend and invest the difference wisely. Here's the, peop- here's the deal. Is a lot of people don't know where their money is going. So this is just a real simple tool. It's going to give you a snapshot so you can see how much am I giving, how much am I investing, how much am I living on, where are my expenses going. Just a real quick, a real quick snapshot. And the goal is that if you look at the di- diagram called widen the gap there, the goal is that you're going to increase your earning and decrease your expenses. This tool will help you decrease your expenses without a budget. Just by you simply becoming aware of where things are going, it's going to naturally have you tighten some things up. You're like, hold on, I don't want this to go in there. Hey, this is a waste. This monthly subscription, we're not even using this. And so it has that kind of as a side benefit. But the goal is you're going to increase that gap. Here's where you earn. Here's where you spend. That gap there, you've actually created wealth. That's where wealth is created, between the difference between what you spend and what you earn. But here's the trick, is you've got to translate that into an asset, into an investment that pays you money. So we'll be talking about that in future sessions. That's where it actually gets really exciting. So let's just go through the uh, monthly. Some of you do not get intimidated and start thinking, I'm not good at math. This is literally sixth grade math. Addition, subtraction, and some division. Okay, there's no triple quadratic equations, non-Euclidean geometry. Okay, this is just... Addition and subtraction, so do not be uh, intimidated by this. If you notice, um, on, the, uh, on the cash flow statement, you got income on the left side and you got expenses on the right. And at the bottom, you show what happened to the money. Okay, so let's just keep it real simple. So uh, a monthly cash flow statement, some people call it an income statement. is just a snapshot of what actually happened to your money. A budget are your hopes of what happens to the money. I don't use a budget. I use this income statement. I want to find out what actually happened to my money. And then I want to begin to make uh, adjustments back on that. Management guru Peter Drucker, he said this, what gets measured gets managed. And here's what I know, is when you measure it regularly, it will improve. Okay, so this, this tool is amazing to shift your awareness. Proverbs 27:23: be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds. Listen, if you don't know where your money's going each month, God cannot trust you with millions. I'm going I'm to try it over here. <laughs> Gang, if you don't know where your money is going each month, if you can't balance your checkbook, God cannot trust you with millions. You're trying to build a skyscraper on an outhouse foundation. The Bible instructs us to be good stewards. Part of that means <laughs> knowing the condition of our flocks. Okay? So let's just start at the top with the cash flow statement with income. On the left side, income is going to include paychecks from your job, dividends, rental income from real estate, capital gains from selling stocks, interest, any dollar that comes into your pocket is going to get recorded that month on the income statement. So you might be thinking, I only have a job. I only have earned income. That's okay. I want you to have a vision for different kinds of income streams. Keep those things in front of you so that you'll know, hey, I'm going to be putting that wealth that I created between what I spent and what I earned into an investment that puts money back in my pocket. Remember, the goal of financial freedom is that you have that your investments The money coming in the cash flow from your investments is greater than your living expenses. And then we want to go to another level where actually our giving is greater. We're giving away the majority of our income, so our giving is greater than our uh, living expenses. But we'll talk about that more in in future sessions. So I don't care if grandma gives you $10 in the birthday card. If you get a tax refund check, if you sell something on eBay, if you sell your house or your car, it is going on the left side of the income statement because you want to know where the money came from. Um, Again, eventually you'll have multiple sources of income. There's two main categories of income, earned income and asset income or investment income, okay? Don't get intimidated by the terms. Um, Earned income is money you work for. You're an employee. You work and then you get paid. You don't work, you don't get paid. How many of you guys are following me here? If you want to earn more in this kind, you have to work more, or you have to become more valuable so you get paid more. Remember, you don't take time to the marketplace, you take value. If you want to get paid more, you take more value. We're going to do a whole session on that in an upcoming one. If the employee works hard and is faithful in his job, his income can go up in small amounts. If he's lucky, his raises will be greater than inflation. Any blessings that God gives the employee on their job has to be channeled through the will of another person, their employer. Self-employed workers would also be in this earned income category because they don't really own a business, they own a job at that point. So um, you're still working for money. Just one quick note, earned income, money from your job, is the highest taxed income. Uh, is the highest tax form of income. When you begin to get into investment income, it's actually taxed at a different rate. It's, it's awesome. All right, so let's look at asset income, the second, uh, the second kind. It's a- income from your investments. An asset is any investment that puts money in your pocket. Okay, this is money that makes you money. Uh, these are usually business owners or investors it can also come from royalty income, from intellectual property, books, or, um, you know, certain patents that you have. For this income, you still have to work, but instead of working as an employee, you're managing that investment, and it pays you. Okay, let's go over to the right side, expenses. Uh, the second half of the cash flow statement is expenses. It includes anything you spend money on. I'm going to put taxes in this category. You want to measure your taxes because we're going to ha- come up with some strategies in future sessions, not on a Sunday morning. Um, Uh, And how can we legally reduce those expenses? Your taxes are your greatest, your number one expense. So if you can uh, reduce expenses, it's going to multiply your wealth, especially over the years when you do that. And so I encourage you, put down taxes, uh, uh, you know, record your taxes. Don't just record your after-tax income. So anything you spend money on, taxes, rent, food, transportation, insurance, entertainment, I've I've given you a whole bunch of different categories there. If you put a quarter in the parking meter, record it. And so just do your best. Don't go crazy over this thing, but just do your best to record with your cash and your receipts. And, I mean, most people, they pay stuff with a credit card or a debit card, so it's easy to get uh, tracking of these things. So don't wear yourself out. It's to be effective. It's not to get an A on the test. Okay, so just do your best to find this out. A couple of quick tips. Um, taxes are an expense, again, so uh, uh, don't just post your income after taxes. We want to we see your income. After taxes, but we want to ex- see your gross income coming in and then your taxes as an expense there. Um, if you use credit cards to pay bills, just be careful you don't double dip. You might expense yourself twice on this thing. So just watch that. Um, if you automatically have money deducted for savings or investing, do not count that as an expense. Okay? An expense is I spend it and it leaves my life forever. Okay? So when you're saving or investing, you're just simply switching it from one account to another. I know I'm talking a little fast, but that's why we record these things, okay? So saving and investing are not expenses. And so we got uh, your income, we got your expenses, and when you subtract your expenses from your income, you've got your net cash flow. That's the total at the bottom. When you subtract what you um, spent from what you made, you've got your net cash flow. That's the wealth that's created. What you spent and what you earned, that gap, that is your cash flow. That is your wealth that you're going to want to go and you want to put it somewhere. Where you're going to want to put it is you're going to want to give it and you're going to want to invest it. And so uh, now you've got seeds to invest in the heavens and on the earth. And so I originally, had talked about uh, living on uh, 70%. You may have to learn how to live on 90%, and then live on 80%, and then live on 70%. And so those are just goals to shoot for. But this will just be a quick chart for you to see exactly how much are you uh, giving, how much are you investing, how much are you living on the rest. So uh, just to conclude this part, Doing a monthly cash flow statement is treating your finances like a business. This is a wealth habit. Um, For me, I don't need a budget. Uh, This takes care of it for me. You create the habit of compiling your expenses. You track your income every month. It's going to raise your awareness. And when you you see, boy, this money could have been going over here, it's going to have this natural effect of you reducing your expenses. So here's your homework. You guys ready for your homework? No surprise. Do a personal cash flow statement. I've given you a template, you can make your own, you can, you know, pay somebody 10 bucks on Fiverr, F-I-V-E-R-R, to uh, turn this into an Excel spreadsheet that adds it all up automatically for you with your categories, and so, all those things, but I encourage you, begin to do this, and the the first homework assignment's bad, do it for the past three months, okay, so go back, get your, uh, get all your credit card statements, your debit card statements for the past three months, and look and see, where did my money go, because you want to start giving God something to bless, because he won't bless a mess, Okay, so I encourage you with that. Uh, Mary and I, we do it the first Monday of every month. Mondays are just kind of a good day for us to kind of get together. You need to set it on the calendar. If you're, uh, if you're single, just set it on the calendar, make an appointment with yourself. that the first Monday of the month, you're going to review what happened last month. And then just pray over this thing. All right. Now that everybody is almost in a coma, let's stand for closing prayer. I will not apologize for teaching a cash flow statement on a Sunday morning, just so you know. Jesus says, if you can't handle finances, you can't handle true riches. Guys, our church is about the true riches. The people who handled finances well in the parable of the minas, they were given authority to shape the culture over cities. Okay, that's what we're after. But if you can't steward finances, you can't steward cities. If you can't steward finances, you will not walk in your destiny because your destiny is something greater than the least. He said, if you can't handle that which is least, finances, you can't handle that which is greater. What's greater? Anything other than finances. I want you guys to get this. We're going after this hard. And so I encourage you, if at all possible, come to the Wealth Seminar on on Saturday. I'm doing this seminar for you. Okay? And so you do not want to miss it. It will not be podcast. It will not be live streamed, okay? So if you do not come to it live, you're going to have to buy it later, okay? And so there you go. God bless you. Lord, we love you. We love you, Jesus. Just put your hand in your heart. God, we want to get this money thing right because we want to honor you. God, we're not trying to live the lifestyles of the rich and famous. We're not trying to be greedy. Uh, Some of you, you need to learn how to enjoy what God's given you and not feel bad when you get something nice. Maybe that's some of your homework assignment. <laughs> Lord, how do I take the things that, uh, that you've given me and, uh, and learn to enjoy them? You know, it's okay for you to buy a shirt that makes you feel good. If you only got $20 to buy a shirt, buy the nicest $20 shirt you can. Don't buy junk, buy value. So Lord, uh, for some in the room, help them to learn, help us to learn to enjoy the blessings from you and to enjoy them with you. Lord, I pray for the priority of our heart, Lord, that we will give, invest, live on the rest. Oh, those with priorities out of whack, just, Lord, just love us into them. God, be gentle when you're resetting the broken bone. (laughs) Oh, we love you. And Lord, I just declare that this will be a church that gets the money thing right, that we will take care of that which is least so that we can have influence in the city. We can see human trafficking ended in our city. We can see the, uh, that every family, every, there will be no more orphans, Lord, that there will be a family for every child to adopt. That, Lord, we will eliminate poverty. Lord, I just bless the entrepreneurial spirit that's being birthed in this church in the name of Jesus. One quick thing on the entrepreneurial spirit. When Bobby Connor was here, he uh, said that God was birthing an entrepreneurial spirit. And so I know, uh, I did an informal survey one Sunday, uh, about six months ago, and just said, hey, how many of you feel like you want to start a job, a side hustle? You've got kind of a hobby you want to turn into income, about half the people raise their hands. So I don't have a date nailed down. It's going to be the first or second week of August. I'm bringing in a guy uh, who's really good. So he is a rocket scientist from NASA. He's also a forensic accountant and is also an attorney. So he's been busy. He's had his hand in over 300 businesses. His last mastermind group, he took seven guys And uh, after three years, those seven guys uh, went from no business to producing over $100 million in revenue. And so he's coming here. His wife is insane. She um, has this way of training executives to be 90% sure when they make a decision they've heard from God. So she's real prophetic. He's real strategic. And so they're going to come, and they're going to do a Saturday for us on how to launch a business. Is that amazing? One of his specialties is showing nonprofits how to monetize the property that they have to produce income to pay for Kingdom projects. And so I'm bringing them out there and we're going to monetize the heck out of Pickerington. And um, why? Because I don't want to have to take up offerings to pay for the ongoing expenses of Normandy. And there's a whole bunch of things I want to do in the city that I don't want to take up offerings for. I want to have income streams that pay for them. And so um, just be be, be praying for those things. In September, we're going to be doing another entrepreneurial workshop. I'm bringing in uh, Billy Upperhart. He's the guy I told you about, that uh, he was a pastor, and he replaced $180,000 of income with passive income in two and a half years. So he's just an absolute genius at paper asset investing, uh, real estate, and business. And so he's going to come and do an entrepreneurial weekend. And so, but you need to have a plan for which path you're going to go towards. So come this Saturday. I'm begging you, you do need to register because the workbooks, it's going to be like 100 100 pages, just the workbook. It's going to be insane. God bless you. Ministry teams are coming forward. Go register. Ministry teams are coming forward. As you're registering, the ministry teams are coming forward.